Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Let's Grow.Work, hashtag LFG fam, where success is in the details. I'm your host, Justin Bonnet, and today we got a special guest with us, somebody I've known about for over a decade, finally got to talk to on a personal level the other day, and now we're doing this podcast. Jim, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Jim Thomas from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my business is called the Onsite Shine, and uh, we detail cars, wash cars, and we have a lot of fun doing what we do. And that's awesome. And you definitely seem to be doing that. So from what I remember, when I first got into the detailing game in 2009, I remember seeing red Chevy, Chevy Silverados, I think it was. Right? Yeah, at that time. It, well, yeah. Well, in, two, in, in 07, we had like, I think, five Dodge Rams. And then a few years later, we traded those in and we got some Silverados. And it wasn't, you know, I'm not like... Uh, brand picky. I had Fords before that. I just it just made economical sense for what we were doing to uh, to you know expand on the fleet of mobile uh, trucks that we had on the roads. So yeah, you, you probably saw some Silverados closer to fourteen. Okay, if I, if I recall correctly. Got you, got you. So before we dive into that real deep, tell us your story. Like, how did you get into detailing? How long have you been doing it? Well, uh, when I was when I was 14 years old in eighth grade, around that time frame, I got in a lot of trouble in school, but I liked to work. And uh, my father, he happenstance, like by the hand of God, he, he met this guy that had a mobile detailing company, and he actually did mostly aircraft at private airports in the, around the metropolitan Atlanta area. And uh, they met somewhere somehow and uh, got to talking, and, and the guy's, the owner's name was Barry. And uh, it was, his company name was called BMD Polishing. And uh, he had a black fan, and it said BMD Polishing down the side of it with a beeper pager number, because during that time, that's what everybody had to communicate. We didn't have cell phones. Um, and so he ended up getting the guy's name and number and said, hey, man, I, I've got a son that would love to probably do what you do, and he's a hard worker. And that's what introduced me into the detailing business. Barry would come pick me at my pick me up in my house on the weekends or when I was suspended from school and, uh, and during the summers. And, uh, and I'd go and help him detail aircraft a lot of times. And he had some fleet accounts, um, some places that are still in existence today, uh, some heating and air. There's a heating and air company that we did their cars or their trucks. And then there was a flower shop. I don't know if you know the little flower shop in Roswell off uh, Alpharetta Highway um, near Mansell. Okay. We used to, I, they're still there, and I still, I mean, the, the van still looks the same, and I used to wash that van when I was, like, 14 and 15 years old. That's crazy. But, but what was interesting, Justin, was, you know, we, it was a big family, family of five children, and, uh, you know, we struggled through the, you know, most years of just growing up and uh, didn't have much, you know, to spend on, or didn't have much money to spend on things that we maybe would have liked. And so I loved working and making a little cash to put in my pocket and do things and also helping my folks. Um, and, uh, and what introduced me, what really captured my heart on the detail side of things were two things, really. One was I was suddenly in the midst of people that I would have not normally, normally met. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a private air, you know, airport, Peachtree DeCab Airport, McCullough, um, Charlie Brown, Briscoe Field. I'm in these private airports, and we're doing like a single engine or a double engine prop plane, 
and then we do like a King Air, you know, a larger airplane. And uh, and when we do things like that, all of a sudden an airplane hangar would open up and like there would be like two or three cool cars that I had never seen in real life, you know. And, and next thing I know, I'm talking to the owner of these cars and these aircraft and, uh, and it fascinated me, you know, to like have a chance to meet these kind of people. And, and I knew the questions not to ask them, um, you know, but I just, I engaged in conversation. I'm a people person. So I liked, I was curious about, you know, what they did and, uh, curious to know about what was going on and how, what got them into, you know, getting private aircraft or owning a Ferrari not asking them how much money they made or or kind of obnoxious questions that would like normally turn someone off from wanting to talk to somebody. And then two, the second thing was looking at paint in a different way. It it taught me how to make things look beautiful that didn't look that great to begin with. And at the time we were using these 18 pound gym polishers, like gym G E M like those double handed, um, you know, orbital polishers with terry cloth bonnets that you put on there and we'd like spin the thing and put like i think it was like mcguire's number 15 pink compounds you know and we'd polish the heck out of these planes and and uh and it and it just fascinated me to watch the transformation of like an aircraft's you know paint turn into something that like glossed and shined in such a way and so it just it captured my heart, and I, I just have always kind of been there and, and never wanted to kind of leave it. And I, and I have through many years over the years of just kind of growing up, and, uh, and I've always kind of leaned back into it. It's kind of like living near the ocean and always having a little sand in your shoe. Well, I just, there's always been this little piece of the detailing industry that's always been a part of my heart, and, and I've always just, I've just, I just latched on to it and just kind of never let go. And, and uh, fortunately, God willing, and, and very blessed, that, you know, I've been able to kind of like continue with that until my ripe old age of 50 to continue pursuing the same industry from when I was 14 years old. So that's your overnight success story, right? From 14 to 50, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, success is, you know, there's different definitions of success. You know, success can be, you know, uh, having a wonderful family life and being married to the same person for many, many years and, and raising children that uh, grow to be, you know, mature adults or young adults or, you know, growing a business, but they all have their hurdles and challenges um, that make it part of a success. But, you know, part of that success is, is enduring through all the failures and, uh, and the mishaps and, and the poor judgments of not doing something that should have been done and learning from those things. So um, success isn't always just about the money. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, definition of success these days is very skewed and it's very upsetting. But it's like many entrepreneurs, I feel like that start nowadays want that overnight success, like literally, and it just doesn't happen. And that's why I'm like happy to share your story because I know you've been in this game for a long time and it's – me being a mobile detailer, I've literally seen you grow because I go in spots of towns and then, you know, your newest shop that you have now, I've seen it being built, you know, and coming. <laughs> yeah. And now you're mad at me for not you know, stopping by. So it's, it's freaking well, awesome. No, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I don't, I won't even say disappointed. Just like my feelings might be a little bit tarnished. No worries. <laughs> I'll bring coffee next time. Coffee. Okay. Um, so how long, so you worked with him when you were about 14 how long did you work with him until you decided 
did you go out well, on your own after that? Not quite at first. I uh, I worked for Barry for almost for about two years because I was 15 years old. And what's funny, Justin, is I learned a lot of things to not do by working for other people that did things that they shouldn't do. For example, you know, after working for him, not full time, but you know, over a year period of time, you know, the summer when I was 15, he would buy me a case of beer on a Friday, and he'd give me the keys to his van. And he'd let me take it to a buddy of mine's house. And like, I'd go get, you know, tore up with some friends of mine at their house because I could take it to my buddy's house because my parents would obviously notice if I drove a van home. And I didn't even have a learner's permit, let alone a driver's license. And so I'd spend the night at a buddy's house with another friend and I'd like hire them kind of the next day and they'd help me go do something like a King Air jet and an airplane hangar. And so it was just, it was surreal, but that was what the late eighties kind of were like, you know, um, I worked for him for a while and then, uh, I ended up breaking my leg in a motorcycle accident. And, uh, when I was 15, I couldn't work for some time. And, uh, and then after that, I worked at a car wash and in, in Duluth, uh, if you remember Carnat's car wash, yep. it's now, it's now become Mr. Clean, mm -hmm. um, you know, through Procter and Gamble. And I worked for them for a short stint, and then I worked for another uh, mobile company um, called Madwax out of Sandy Springs, and uh, and he was just another knucklehead um, that had some issues of his own. Um, I, he wasn't honest, and, uh, and and I learned that over time. I probably worked for him for maybe a year and a half until um, I was probably about 17-ish, and during that time, I rode a motorcycle. That was my only form of transportation outside of the company truck or the van that I had. And it was like a manual four speed van and uh, with a water tank and all, you know, all that good stuff. And, uh, and again, you know, he, he managed it out of his apartment complex in Sandy Springs. And, uh, you know, and, and I can tell you plenty of weird stories and strange things that happened, but I mean, it's just, again, I worked for somebody that just didn't really have their, their head together to really pursue something that could be great. And, uh, and then I worked again back at, uh, with the Carnet or the Arnett family, opened up a couple of car washes as a detail manager. And I started to really learn the craft for what was available during that time, which was, you know, McGuire's products. Um, didn't even really have a Porter Cable, you know, polisher at that time. There was, you know, the gem polishers and there was rotary buffers. And so that's what I learned on. And I, and I, I really studied and practiced it, learning how to use a rotary, you know, polisher properly. And, uh, and I loved doing that because you could really itch away at the paint much quicker and you could smooth out the finish in such a way with the pads and the different technology that had improved through those late nineties or early nineties, excuse me. And, uh, and so I was in it until I was probably about 19 and then I, 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 I sort of caught a, you know, so I caught a wind that wanted to take me into learning sales and negotiating and, and learning, you know, people's personality types and body language and, and just kind of understand why people did what they did and why they made decisions the way, you know, the reason why they made those kind of decisions or why they would say yes or no or maybe. And, uh, and so I, I got into a couple of sales jobs. I was uh, waiting tables and then bartending at some restaurants. And, uh, and I would still detail cars a little bit on the side. But I still had the passion, but I was just kind of like at that early prime of my life in my, you know, late teens, early 20s of like, let's do something different. 
And so I ended up going to work for a company where I knew the family um, buying real estate in, the, in Atlanta. And I was the acquisitions manager for buying low-income residential housing in, in distressed neighborhoods. And it was, it was comfortable to me because I was born in Atlanta, but we moved to South Florida as a child. And, uh, and I grew up in distressed neighborhoods. I grew up in the project areas. And, and it, was, it was common to me. I understood the streets in those kind of ways. And so I wasn't intimidated. I knew how to you know, communicate with people in those regards. And I was doing really well at what I did. But I found out not too much later on that the guy that I worked for, I mean, he just, he wasn't honest. He didn't have the integrity of like how I should want to pursue a career path under his wing. And, uh, and my wife had also worked for the family as well. She would just do some simple bookkeeping stuff. And she was in college. She played soccer and tennis. She's a stud. She's an athlete. And uh, we started dating, and we both ended up leaving the company during a time when he was, you know, kind of, you know, they were investigating it for tax fraud, and, and he had done a lot of, like, squirrely investment deals with people, and, and, and just, you know, it just, I didn't want to be associated with it. So we, we ended up moving to Birmingham, Alabama in 1997, and uh, she transferred schools to UAB, and uh, I was kind of on my face, on my knuckles. I didn't have money. He was, he, he had owed me a lot of money, and uh, and and I was just trying to make ends meet. And uh, anyway, my wife and I, we, or my girlfriend at the time, Sarah, we started, you know, waiting tables, and then we were bartending at restaurants and then some clubs and stuff like that, and just kind of living that freestyle life. Yeah. But I had started, I had started to work on, you know, building some leads of my own to buy and sell or flip some properties. You know, because I understand the mechanics of it, and there were some areas that had good promise for what I could do in Birmingham. And uh, I think it was 1998 that I finally secured a property for like a little bit of money down, and I had a simultaneous closing, and it made about I think about $8,500 during the closing. Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest amount of money I'd ever made in my life at one time, you know, for just one thing. And my wife and I were were sitting down that evening we were celebrating and like you know just like all right you know kind of like getting a, you know getting ahead of things you know in our early 20s and and she's saying to me you know i wouldn't mind working at like a car wash or like a nursery or something i'm like you've lost your mind like you know she was just kind of talking out of her ass you know like she'd love to like wash her own truck and she kept it clean she had a ford ranger yeah. and we had just bought a ford explorer sport and, uh, are we not yet? We hadn't bought that yet, but anyway, and so, and she liked working with plants and stuff. So she was just kind of talking out loud because, you know, we didn't want to work from 10 at night. I was working at 10 at night till 6 a.m. at clubs, yep. you know, closing down the city. And it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of excitement. And, uh, and, you know, it was like I'm bartending and by, by one o'clock in the morning, that's when all the strippers and everybody else came in and they always tipped big. And, and when I, when I got off my shift at like 6 a.m., I'd go back to our apartment and I'd like sleep and, you know, crash out for a few hours and then lay out by the pool like a bum, you know, just to get some sun and not look like a, a vampire. But uh, anyway, the following day, she goes to school and I went out and I said, you know what, she's, she'd like to wash cars, then we're going to wash cars. And I used that, I had the 8,500 bucks, I didn't spend all of it, but I went and bought a five by eight trailer, little open trailer. I got some water tanks. I got a generator. I got a pressure washer. I got all the piping I needed to like put it all together. 
I got extension cords, a vacuum, and I didn't get any polishers. I was like, I'm just going to wash cars. This is going to be simple and easy. And when she got home from school that afternoon, probably about 4.30, she was like, have you lost your fucking mind? What are you doing? Like, what do you, I mean, she was like so upset with me because she felt like I had just blown all the money I just made, like just spent it frivolously. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll make it back in no time. And I didn't spend all of it. Yeah. And so she was super hesitant, but she saw that I was, you know, I, I was confident. I knew that, you know, yeah. what I had spent, we could make it back in no time. And so we're sitting down and I'd also bought like a, a ream of paper that was all past mixed colors, you know, like 500 sheets. We had a word processor. We didn't have a computer and a printer. We had a word processor. And, uh, and we're sitting around that evening, like having a beer. And she's like, slowly kind of like, you know, warming up to the idea. And I say, like, listen, we can go wash cars for like 30 bucks or 40 bucks, you know, and we can do like 10 cars in like a few hours, or, you know, and, and make a few hundred bucks. And, and we don't have to really have commitments. We can get some accounts and we'll service them, you know. And so she was like, okay. And so we're putting together this, like, little flyer, you know, to print up. Car wash, you know, wash, dry, windows, vacuum, you know, tire shine and all this stuff. And uh, she's like, what should we call it? I said, you know, I don't really know. Like, what's a, you know, what's a good name? It's like an on-site mobile car wash. And out of nowhere, she says, on-site shine. That's and I was like. That's a that's a great name. It is. And I like and I, I still get I still get like these chills and I'm like getting these, chills. You know, it's just like, you know, she totally came up with so my wife came up with the name and uh and we didn't have a logo, we just put it in bold print and we'd go to these office complexes and they loved us, you know. They loved seeing like a guy and a girl, you know, it wasn't like a couple of, you know, thug looking dudes in this big rusty old van, yeah. you know, talking like you know, so they were happy to support us. They knew that, you know, they thought we were both college kids, but it was really her in college. And so, you know, we, we'd go and make, you know, some money. And then we did get the Ford Explorer Sport. It was Wedgwood blue. And so I painted the rails of the trailer as close to that blue as I could, you know, for the outside. And our car payment was three seventy seven twenty one a month. And it was like, we had the money in the bank. But every time it was coming up, it was like, oh, we got to go make 400 bucks just to right. cover that and, you know, have our cushion. And so that's how on-site shine really spawned and developed to become what it's become now. And, and we look forward to, be, you know, to what we see in the future, to what it you know, will become. But that's where it started from. And, and so, you know, it's, it, it wasn't, I wasn't committed at the time. You know, it was, it was something very loose that I felt like I could walk away from, you know. And, uh but my family was here in Atlanta. My sister worked for a big organization over in Norcross off of Jimmy Carter. And she was like an administrative assistant for an executive. And so I, when I'd come out to visit my grandparents or my parents, I would like come out there and then like we'd line up a bunch of car washes. And then by that point, I started like waxing cars again. And like, you know, and then it went from like with two of us making like three or 400 bucks in like a few hours or so. It was like, okay, I can make like, 500 bucks in a day myself, mm -hmm. you know, working six hours and it's not like that every day, you know, so you can't really calculate that. But, uh, but again, I was, I was still loose. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't deep dive in it at all. And it wasn't until 2002, it was the summer of 2002. 
there were a lot of things that had happened in our lives that had bonded us and sealed us together. We had gotten married in the courthouse in Birmingham to be sure that we were able to stay together through some circumstances that we had gone through. And, uh, and then we ended up moving back to Georgia and to Buford um, near the Mall of Georgia. We got an apartment and we're looking for a house. And uh, she called me one day. And, and she was, I remember she was kind of crying and she's really tough. She never cries. And she told me I needed to get home right away. And there's a couple of things that I thought could have been really terrible for the reason I could have needed to go home. But the last thing I would have thought was that she was pregnant. And so when I got home, there's a pregnancy test there. And, uh, and right, in, right then and there, I just knew that like everything in my life, Everything that I had been doing outside of the detail work, it just it just changed and it just evaporated right away. And I just realized I was like, you know what? I've got to lead this. I've got to do something. And I know this better than I know most anything else. And that's where my heart is. And I want to be able to support my family. So I got to really dig my heels in and make something different. And so I still had that five by eight trailer. And the following day. And I talked to her. I said, well, I'm going to make this work out. You know, we were stressed. There was money situations. And uh, we were getting by. And, and it could have been better if I'd had things, you know, put in place and, uh, you know, not made other decisions earlier on. But the following day, Justin, she goes to work. And I go out. And I'm like, I got to make some changes for myself, but also for the business. And I, I want to do something that creates a mobile, you know, detailing service or car wash service that looks different from everything else you can imagine, you know, like, what can that be? I didn't want a van. I didn't want a trailer and they didn't have the transits and the sprinters and that kind of thing at the time. And so my options were sort of limited, but I, I ended up going to a car max off of Indian trail. Yep. And, uh, and I found an F one fifty. Um, it was like a late nineties model five speed, but it had the hard shell ton of cover on the top, the yep. back. Yep. And, there's two things I did that day. One of them was I bought a pack of cigarettes that I hadn't smoked in years. <laughs> and I'm like smoking a cigarette and I'm looking at this truck and I'm like, I open up the ton of cover and I'm like, I bet I can fit the water tanks in here. And, and if I got like one of those Honda inverter generators, that's really quiet. Mm -hmm. I bet it would fit in there too. And it would be quiet. It wouldn't be this like, this real loud, you know, rackety, you know, generator. And then, get a pressure washer that's quiet too. And, and then like, if I could fit everything in there comfortably, that would look pretty slick, you know, because no one would see that's in there, you know, what's in there. And, uh, and it would change what, you know, what the industry looked like. Right. And so that's what happened. And I did that. I, I bought the truck and I went and saw my wife at her office where she was and I was smoking a cigarette and she's like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> we can't afford buying a truck and why are you smoking? You know, <laughs> But I knew, I knew that I could give up the cigarettes without a problem, but I wasn't going to give up the truck. So I needed something to kind of balance the leverage of what I was going to get conceived. <laughs> and so, so it just worked. And so short time after that, I met up with a, through a friend of a friend, um, someone to put my logo together and I really liked it. And so I got the truck logo and uh, one of my accounts was a company called Parker Young Construction and Firestar. They're a disaster relief company and, uh, and that does a lot of insurance claims. And Jim Parker was one of my customers. And uh, so was Paul Young, his partner. And we, I used to go there every Tuesday. And, like, I'd wash their personal vehicles. And then on the weekends, I would wash 
like their, their box trucks and their service trucks. And, uh, and Jim Parker sees me that like over the next couple of weeks, he sees that th things have changed with what I'm doing and I'm a lot more focused. I'm a lot more on it. I'm, I'm taking care of my appointments. I'm all, I mean, I'm there, like I'm there at 7 a.m. I'm getting his truck done before he needs to leave. I mean, I'm, I'm on it. And we're not a couple of weeks in. He pulls me into his office and he wants to sit down with me. And he's like, hey, I see you've made some changes with your company. I want you to tell me about it. What's going on? And I kind of shared about what my vision looked like and, and why things had changed and morphed into what they had recently become. And, and I'm motivated. Yeah. And so he says to me, you know, my, my neighbor across the street, named guy's named Jim Lloyd. He owns a bunch of, I think they were state farm insurance agencies. Yeah, I think he had like 20 of them. He's like, he lives across the street from me in my neighborhood. His birthday's next week. I'm going to pay you to detail his car. What would you charge me to do that? It's like three or 400 bucks. And it was like one of the, it's like going to his car. And this is the first time I go into Sugarloaf Country Club. It's the first time I've gone into a country club and really gone to someone's residence rather than their office, um, you know, or that type of thing. And so I go to his house. And he's got the manual sitting on the front seat because it was the first time you had the key fob that plugged in to mm. start the car. Yeah. And so I kind of need, I was like, man, I felt kind of stupid because I didn't know what to do, you know. But I, I detailed his car. And then next door to him lived a guy named Stephen Atwater. And he's like one of the hardest hit you know, safeties in the, in the NFL. You know, he played for the Broncos. He was retired. Super great guy. He still had his Lexus that he had bought when he got a signing bonus like years and years earlier, mm. and I detailed his Lexus. And then a lot of the Falcons players lived there, so like D'Angelo Hall and Michael Vick and a lot of the slew of the other guys. So I'm, next thing I know, I'm in Sugarloaf like three days a week doing all these guys' cars, yeah. and it just it slowly grew. And so it eased my business out of going to people's houses – or excuse me, from going to the office complexes and then getting into their homes. And then I added another truck, you know, and then I got a Ford Lightning because I found a great deal on one. I wanted to make it look edgy. And, uh, and the accounts that I had at offices, I, I trained new staff to go into those places. And, uh, and I would maintain the other step, you know, the other people. And then it just it started to grow It started to grow. And, uh, and then it just, you know, it led me towards this direction, led me towards this direction. And then, you know, the technology, I always wanted to stay abreast of it with what was going on with the technology and detailing equipment, the products, the polishes, the protectants, you know, I mean, I was using the Zymol state glazes, you know, the waxes that you melt in your palm and apply with your hand. They're very expensive waxes. They're like 2,500 bucks for a jar, or 8,500 bucks or more for the double cylinder Royale. Mm -hmm. And I had several of them and I put those in all my mobile trucks and we started, you know, kind of developing a, a new culture of what mobile detailing I felt should be. And that was, we would, you know, we'd set people up on scheduled, you know, appointments. It was, if it was a Monday at seven o'clock in the morning, we were there on Monday at seven o'clock in the morning and that was rain or shine. It didn't matter because the people have garages. They've got like five cars in their garage and maybe a Range Rover or something sits outside. Yeah. And so and, and if they missed the appointment, it wasn't until next Monday because we were full. And so we started to, I don't want to say train our customers, but they started to respect our schedules that we no longer had to kind of, you know, be there when they wanted to be there. Yeah. You know, like, so, so once they missed it once, they didn't want to miss it again. And, and they were spending anywhere from like, say, 800 to 1200 bucks a month was the, was a normal average for 
the service of what we were offering during that time. And then it grew to other customers that were spending a lot, lot more than that. And, uh, and, and when you're in the mobile side, as you would know, you develop a, a sense of trust with the customers that you watch their children grow and, and you understand when they've curbed their wheel or when they've scratched the panel or when they're going to need to buy a car, or they're trading something in or when they need tags. And so it opened up a lot of opportunities to offer other ancillary add-on services you know, when somebody like, hey, oh, I just traded in my Audi for a Porsche, and I want to get the laser detector, radar jammers, windows tinted, paint protection film, and, like, new wheels and tires. And, and so I was connected with most of the people in the industry that I could, you know, facilitate all that for them without them having to go to five different places. Right. And, and, I, and I always made sure my insurance was on point to where I could take their cars to do it on my own yeah. without having to have it transported. And picked up and so suddenly it just started to grow and and then around oh five six i knew that i i I started to realize i needed to have a fixed location and uh i ended up subleasing some area from an audio shop called cartoons of atlanta um they were right there by the perimeter off roswell road yep 285 yeah they were the biggest they're the you know they're the biggest shop they're the biggest show still for what they do and the owner became a good friend of mine and I subleased, you know, some space from him. And, uh, and then we grew together because our customer bases, you know, were pretty identical mm-hmm. or they, they were often the same. And so we'd share business, we'd recruit new business and then we, you know, we'd outsource you know, projects together. And so it became, it, it, it made the detailing side, the car wash side, a lot more exciting because, now we're doing other things that are, are fun, whereas, you know, washing cars had kind of lost its luster in some regards. Yeah. And detailing cars, it was it's still cool, but, you know, it, it's not like what it is today where everybody's sort of a fanboy because someone's done some cool car and they, like, want to glamorize themselves over it. Yeah. It was just, hey, man, we're going to – we're keeping our nose to the ground and we're going to grind. And, uh, and so it slowly morphed into that, and uh, the property that we were in – it got sold, and uh, so we both had to find a new place. And, and I was looking at subleasing from them at the new location where they were moving into, when an opportunity arose at a, at a location next door to the Ferrari dealership. Okay. And so I, I knew everybody there at the Ferrari dealership. A lot of my customers were shared with those guys, and, and they'd call me to do certain jobs, and, and I was referred off quite a bit. So it was a great fit for that. And so you'd continue to meet more and more interesting people. And as long as you deliver what you really promised, you know, people are going to stick with you. They'll, yeah. you know, they're going to be honest and stay with you. I mean, some people float away because somebody will give them something 50 bucks less, but that's not a great customer anyway. No. And, and so as this grew and developed, um, an opportunity came to where we're now, you know, our flagship location is, and we were able to build this place. Um, it's it's really just like I I couldn't describe to you how blessed I am. God's been good, and I mean it's just it, you know there's been a lot of hurdles in order to get the location open, but there's no location like it that you could possibly have in the city or in the state, possibly even the southeast, the way that we built this. And so we're uh, we're excited to finally be open here. So. I guess in a nutshell, that's that's a lot of talking for me. <laughs> no, it's it's great. I like I, I get, I'm getting chills. It's amazing, 
And it's interesting because, again, I've been doing it since 2009, and one of my accounts was uh, the Lifetime Fitness in Alpharetta. And okay, yeah. I remember, I think the car wash that you, like, with next to Ferrari used to be like a Sky car wash or something eco-y. It was, it was called Sky. It was one of the most successful full-service car washes in the country. Okay. The owners who started it, they wrote their thesis in college about, you know, uh, customer service and hospitality, and they really drove it hard, and they did it very consistently for a long time. Yeah. From what I understood, there are some things that had happened um, where, you know, sometimes success takes people down the, the wrong path, and they get into other things for their own self-enjoyment, if you will, and and uh, and so there are some decisions made that didn't really work well with the business model and I think the banks or something had pulled out mm -hmm. of like, you know, um, some of the money. And so they, they sold the place and the guy who bought it, a, a friend of mine, he's also named is Jim. He bought it and he called me and he was like, listen, I'm going to convert this to a, an express only. So we've got this huge waiting area. They had like a, they had a two car detail bay, which was once an oil change bay that they had sealed in the floors. And I talked to him for a long time. I was like, listen, man, I'll run the place as a full service. And, you know, like I'll, you know, cause I wanted to do a full serve with a detail and he just, he didn't want to have it. He, you know, his, his, he was a more of a passive investor yeah. and he liked the model of the express model because you only needed like three to five employees. And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, I understand why. Yeah. And so I, we ended up taking over the building. We converted the whole interior of it into detail and uh and dolled it up really nice i mean the place was really it was really cool it was it was something to see and when people would come in there to see it they loved it they were just like wow this place is really cool and, and being on the alpharetta highway that main thoroughfare we had a lot of traffic going by the car wash we didn't get a lot of traffic coming through there that became business but it was accessible and so people would just come in to see what we had inside and they would refer somebody that they knew had a cool car. And, and so we had that constant traffic coming through and the business, it grew exponentially from 14 through 17 and, and into 18. And, uh, and, you know, during those times I was involved with a couple of the larger name ceramic coating brands from the beginning um, of like 2012 on. And, uh, and that was a learning curve for everybody who was, doing those products during the time because they all apply differently. They all, are, you yeah. know, it's just a different thing. And so that was something new and exciting that, you know, you know, was able to ramp up what could be done um, for, you know, the value of a detail, you know, it turned, you know, like, Hey, we were waxing cars for 150 bucks to 250 bucks. And then all of a sudden, you know, and we were always doing really paint correction um, for 850 ish, more or less, depending and then this added another, you know, element to it for what type of protection you can do to like, okay, you know, we want to make a, a reasonable profit for the business and, uh, and offer a fair value for the customer, but it's got to be a product that we believe in, you know? So mm -hmm. that's been a, that's been a pretty windy road over the past 10 years or, or more with people that have been in it because it's, it's hard to understand coming in fresh understanding the, you know, the systems in order to get the paint looking proper, but then, you know, putting your faith and belief in, behind a product that's going to protect it the way that the manufacturer says it's going to protect it. Right. And then, and then it's like, well, you know, 
the callbacks are different because it's not because of something you didn't do right, but it's because something didn't perform the way that it should have. And, and I see, you know, a lot of the weaknesses that a lot of young detailers, or I don't even say young detailers, but people that just maybe don't understand the, the business side of it. It's like, you know, you just got to suck it up sometimes and take care of it. Yeah. You know, you can't lean on the, you can't lean on the manufacturer to reimburse you for the money you should have been paid for it. You just got to do it, yeah, you know, absolutely. and that's, and that's kept, that's kept a, a very healthy flow of customers. And, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad, but it's, you know, the good always outweighs the bad. You yeah. Know? So that's awesome. Uh, so just a quick recap, as far as like trucks, rigs, mobile units, how many did you get to? And are you still mobile at all? We, we paused the mobile side as we were, getting ready to move into the new location. And I needed to have the staff ready to move in here and have it fully um, operational. Mm-hmm. That was in the end of 17. And we were supposed to be open at this location at the end of 2018. Um, so I haven't really had, we've done some mild mobile over those several years, but uh, we had some huge construction delays that prevented us from even, we were, in 2018, we dug out the parking for the parking garage underneath us about 100,000 metric tons of dirt, and 25 feet down at the very corner of the property line, we hit fiber optic lines that were not supposed to be running through the property. And uh, it w- as it turns out, those lines lease for eight million a month. And as a result, we ended up we were in arbitration for them to move the lines for over two and a half years. Oh my God! So everything. It- everything in my business kind of turned upside down. We weren't able to finish the construction because we weren't able to pour concrete to build the second building. Yeah. And, uh, and so I had to find a new place cause where I was next to the Ferrari dealership had been sold. And so there was, there was a, there was a four and a half year scramble mm-hmm. of like trying to get things outfitted. I mean, I had, I had four trucks that I had pulled off the road at that time. And the revenue of that was over half a million dollars a year. And, and I was braced to, to cushion that, to, you know, survive through that by, you know, by the end of 18, when we should have like moved everything here. Yeah. And when that didn't happen, yeah. I had to really look for creative ways to re readapt how the business was going to flow and how to get the cash flow rolling in such a way, uh, which it's resulted in a lot of, you know, business loans and fast payoff at high interest and, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. curtailing all these like craziness, but we were able to get through it. And, and through that time, you know, other opportunities arose. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of work with Porsche North America. And uh, in 17, they had flown me out to California to fix a 918 for a dealer principal. There's a relationship developed there from doing the job, and, and they paid a lot of money to do it. And, uh, and I ended up flying out there quite often to, uh, to do more cars for this dealership. And, uh, and then during COVID, when things were kind of weird here in Atlanta, as far as the mobile side and the detailing side, I was able to go out there and just like slaughter tons of cars at his dealer campus. And so we were able to open a shop at his dealer campus in 2020, and which helped keep things afloat here, you know, for the business as a whole. And, uh, but to answer your question initially, I had grown it to over eight trucks and I had developed a, a mobile boat unit from a pontoon boat in 07 and 08 that we were doing mobile boat washes. We were drawing water from Lake Lanier, filtering it into a pressure washer and washing boats over the water and marina slips mostly. And, uh, and, uh, that was like 
really taking a lot of charge. It was it was really doing well. And then when the economy, you know, shook loose in end of 08 and 09, the lake level, if you remember here, it dropped 15 mm-hmm. feet because of, you know, how they were having to manage the water flow down into, you know, Alabama from the river because oh, they were feeding the some fish or whatever, you know, mussels or something. And so the lake level dropped and, and all my friends that work in the marine industry did like this, like, you know, this dance, this musical chair dance of where they were working, you know, because people got laid off. You know, the boat industry was like the weakest it had ever been. And so it tapered, but I, I put somebody to lead that, to lead that. And they, they kept it abreast for about seven years after that. It just didn't make me any money. And so it, the business paid for itself, you yeah. know, but, yeah. but there's a huge opportunity in doing the same thing again. You know, the marine industry is, you know, it's a lot different from the automotive, but the money is different and the, and the, you know, the services, albeit they're somewhat the same as far as polishing, cleaning boats, but it's just a different style of service that you can offer. And, uh, and there's plenty of money to make there. So yeah. once we're like really stable and fully operational here at Buckhead, fully staffed, Full swing with, you know, we're doing 100 plus car washes a day and the detailing studio is still maintaining its, you know, its, its positive growth. I'm going to start a mobile side for the membership subscriptions for people that are members of the location here in the general area. Okay. And we'll branch off outside of that and continue to grow. But uh, I've got a private equity firm that's ready to back this location and build 100 locations across the country. Wow. And so... Yeah, they've got the funds to do it, and uh, and they see the spark of interest of what it, how it's different. It's it's an upsetter in the car wash industry. You know, the express wash model is a great model. I mean, you build a couple of those places, and you can get ten plus times over EBITDA, and and sell a couple locations for the you know in the twenty million plus you know arena. Yeah. And uh, but something like this is it's it's different. We're we're really more hospitality driven, want to deliver a service that people really appreciate and can identify as a value, you know, and, uh, and then offering other things that just make it fun. Yeah. And, uh, and, and wanting people to like, Hey man, Hey Justin, man, I, I, I'm going to go get my car washed today. Why don't you come check it out with me? You know, like who would ever like, if, if a friend of mine wanted me to go to a car wash, I'd be like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good, man. Like we'll go grab a beer and a burger or something like later. Yeah. I'll meet you there. But but we wanted to create that environment here where someone go, oh, that is cool. You know, I do enjoy that. You know, they can come here, have a beer, have a drink or something and look at some of the cars and just socialize for 30 minutes while they're having their car washing and and have a good time. Yeah. And it's not like a burden. They don't have to go outside and go, hey, man, can you get those bugs off the front? Can you clean that part of the inside of my wheel? Oh, there's still like some sticky on my gear shift. I mean, we want to make sure all of that is delivered. And uh, and so – so that's that's kind of where we are and, and uh, what we're pursuing now. Man, that is awesome. That story is incredible, man. Like you know, I already Thank knew you. it was it was already snowballing, but just to talk to you and like really kind of tie it all together, because you know you hear stories from other people and you talk, but like to speak to you and to have personally seen you grow while working in the city, it's it's been an experience for sure. I appreciate that. I don't I don't want to lead you into the wrong ideas like you know the success is coming the success has been here because of the growth but what's interesting now justin is all the time that i've had nurturing a business that has like you know done well or or maintaining client base 
I never envisioned this to be like a new startup and it right. is a new startup. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's, and so now I'm having to rebuild this momentum. And so, you know, cash flow is tight, you know, or like, I mean, like, I mean, I've gone through, I mean, I don't want to tell, I mean, like I'm embarrassed, man. I'm like, you know, the savings and all this shit. I'm like, man, I'm 50 years old and I don't have a pot to piss in, but I'm, I'm but it's making money and I know it's going to make it back. Yeah. You know, but it's like a nervous kind of thing, you know? And so, I want to kind of share this with younger detailers or younger guys in the business, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, you're 25, 30, 40 years old, you know, I'm kind of starting all over, although that we have a presence in the market, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a millionaire, not by any stretch at all. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, my salary right now has been cut in a fourth of what I could have been making four years ago. Right. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm pinching along to like, you know, get this baby. I'm, it's a, it's a long runway and a really heavy plane that I'm trying to get up in the air. But yeah. once it's flying, you know, I can kind of breathe and relax, but I mean, it's a lot of hard work and I'm working harder, Justin, than I really have worked. I don't know. I, I really can't name a time in my life that I've worked this much. But like, it feels I'm, great. I'm working. Yeah. I feel great. I'm not complaining. I'm yeah. not complaining and I'm loving it because, you know, the, the people that we meet, and then, like, there's new accomplishments that I see that are like, we're hitting it home. Hell yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, we got this. This is done. You know, I feel like I'm conquering the little things, yeah. but there's a big thing that I really need to knock down, you know? So, yeah. so it's getting there, and I'm really I'm, I'm satisfied with it, and I'm really happy with the team that we've developed, and I'm looking forward to the team that's going to grow into. Yeah, no, that's, that's really exciting. How many team members do you have right now? We're under 15. Um, yeah. Since we since we started our soft opening here in like April, I've literally hired and well let go of about forty people. Wow, because of just issues yeah. or not enough work or you know I I learned a long time ago that if something looks malignant, you know, you just cut the tumor out as fast as you can because it'll spread. Load and uh, right and. It, and and, and it's like, this place is special to me. It's like letting someone into my home, you know, if, uh, if someone, you know, I'll, I'll let, I'll invite anybody to my home, but I mean, if they don't need to be there, man, they can yeah. leave. And yep. this is like, you know, I got great guys, gals that work hard. And, and if there's someone that's like, not really going to cut it, they just, they're here for just a, just a paycheck or they're just, I just need to make some cash. I just want money, you know, like. They don't want to give. They just want to take. And it's like, you know, if they got the wrong attitude, I just, hey, man, listen, here's what, you know, you're, you're owed a little bit less than this, but God bless you. I think there's probably something a little bit more fitting for you. Yeah. And I wish you the very best. You can always call me for, you know, reference, you know, but, but it's just not going to work here. It's yeah. Not, it's not working out. Yeah. And so, and, and fortunately, a lot of those have taken very small amount of time. There's been a couple that have drug on for several weeks, but you know, again, you know, they'll all do fine. Yeah. So, it's easy. It's easy to find a job today, Justin. It's just it, not easy to find workers. Right. So it's a very tough balance out there. It's, it's kind of scary out there for sure. Um, before we go real quick, where can everybody find you? Onsiteshine.com. O N S I T E S H I N E.com. Our location in Atlanta, uh, we're at the corner of West Paces Ferry and Northside Drive. The address is 1313 West Paces Ferry Road. 
Atlanta, Georgia, 30327. We've got, you know, our Instagram and uh, Facebook, you know, on-site shine pages as well. And uh, somebody wants to reach me, it's jim at onsiteshine.com. And, uh, and you can share my number with anybody, you know, that asks. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll vet that first. I'll make, I'll, I'll make sure it's, you know, people that need it. <laughs> hey, so. share it with anybody. Yeah. I'll just, I don't want to put it here for you know, anybody. I mean, I don't mind your calls, but they can reach you through social media and the other avenues pretty easy. For sure. For sure. Jim, thank you so much for this. Thank you for your time. Everybody don't forget. Let's grow. Dot work is our website. Hashtag LFG fam where success is in the details, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you again, Jim. Awesome, Justin. I appreciate your time. Thank you for Thanks, asking brother. me on. Have a great Have afternoon. You, buddy. You bet. Bye.